Hello, welcome to the Manchester Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Make sure to subscribe to us on Acast for all the latest episodes. The end of the Premier League season is upon us. I'm joined today by Kieran Kelly. Hello. And Samuel Luckhurst. Hello again. And Samuel, you had the pleasure of being at Old Trafford on Sunday for that drab final day of the season. Um, they brought to an end a, a second season for Mourinho, a season which United have progressed as he'll really want to let you know, um, second place in the Premier League, losing out to the uh, record breakers Manchester City, but where does the season reflect for you? Is it, is it a season of progress or is it still a season of a bit of disappointment? It was quite appropriate that they got the graveyard slot on, <laughs> on match of the day. Uh, it has undeniably been a progressive season, but the, the football in the last, probably the last five months since the turn of the year, it, it really has been hard work. It's just been Drudgery has been served up most weeks. It's been quite turgid. Uh, I th- I, I'm really struggling to think of a game where you can say from start to finish, United were watchable in that period of time. It wasn't the case in the first months of the season when they were on level points, level goal difference. I think with City and looked like credible uh, title challenges. But um, again, like last season, pragmatism has, has reigned in, in the business end and the. the the Sevilla game really was was an absolute scandal. But in terms of the Premier League, yes, it's a, it's encouraging that they've made that jump from sixth to second, but it's completely inconsequential given the, the chasm between them and City. I mean, 19 points is, is a huge, huge margin. It's it's six wins and a, and, a, and a draws difference, which when you put it like that, I think, one, it just shows you how phenomenally consistent uh, City have been. And also, um, just just how United have, have not really failed to, to rise to that that challenge there at all. Um, I think there's an awful lot to, to to work on in the summer. I know Mourinho is trying to have a positive outlook on it, and ultimately, if they finish second, they win the FA Cup. I think you can count that as a good season. I think you always got to compare the current season with the previous season, and there is definitely there would be a measure of progress there. But uh, we we were saying last week that West Ham game. If, if United win the final, then it's just a game that fades from memory, like Martin McFly's <laughs> relatives and back to the future. But if they don't win the FA Cup final, it's games like that that are going to be remembered for all the wrong reasons because it's, it's, it's become quite endemic of United's football in recent months, say for like the first half against Liverpool and the second half against City, uh, the comeback at Palace, the second half of that, with the exception of those those 45 yeah. minute halves they've, they've they've been really hard work and you just you know hope from from a pure professional point of view that the FA Cup final isn't like the FA Cup final in 2007 yeah and for the sake of the fans as well they're having to pay extortionate yeah. prices to get down to them and then to get the tickets and then you just hope that it's a like you said, not a drab affair like, some, like this last week has been. Uh, Kieran, do you echo that as well? That the season is, is one of progress, but I know we've spoken in previous podcasts, it's the games where United have dropped points against made the newly promoted side yeah. of the teams that near the bottom bottom of the table where it's been yeah. hard to watch. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you take those three games, um, Brighton, Newcastle and Huddersfield, that's nine points. And um, you know, first time Premier League history, they've lost you know three promoted teams. So... Uh, you take those, and then you have your West Broms. Your, you know, the the manner of that Tottenham away game in January. They, they add up. You know, City mm-hmm. lost two league games, and I think United 
I don't think they'll be able to afford losing more than three or four next season. And then you're looking at draws and those games over the festive period where they drew, they couldn't stop drawing. Mm -hmm. um, it's really strange because it's such an odd season where they've really improved their top six records, you know, their home record. You think of all the games they drew last season and they're putting away some of those teams a bit more now. But you just look at it and a 19 point gap. For me, as good as City have been, that's not good enough because you know they could have easily shaved nine points off that. Um, but um, where they were, naturally, it's easy to progress from sixth place, you know, to jump four places, and um, that is progress. And again, it comes down to the cup final; they win that the complexion of the season, like with the Europa last season, it can it can put some uh, polish on it, but. Yeah, it's, it's it's another big summer and you're kind of going in with the same questions as you had a year ago about mm -hmm. the playing style, about the um, you know the, the same positions uh, have issues in, you know, centre half, what's going to happen there, um, you know, Feesby's not going to bring in any forwards, but you, you're looking at those key areas at centre mid, full back and centre back, there's a lot of surgery there and I don't know if United are going to um, have enough... <laughs> Verticama's resources to to really do those positions justice because, um, like I've said many times, uh, it's it's not a case of, of throwing um, money at this, but you know there there are a few positions there that they need to take up another level to, to even come close to catching City. Yeah, and one position they will have to uh, increase in the, in the summer is central midfield. Yesterday was the farewell for Michael Carrick in the build up. And Herrera said he wanted to give him a beautiful day to remember. Samuel, was it a beautiful day that you will remember? Uh, well, I'm, uh, the, the, the weather was nice. I suppose yeah. that was that was one positive. Uh, it, I mean, the, the Carrick aspect of it made it um, made it bearable. Uh, bear, yeah, bearable, if if not memorable. But he, he got the send off that that he deserved. It was it was really. Very well handled as well. There was no John Terry twenty sixth minute narcissism uh, or anything like that. And uh, I, I know people saying oh, I was fitting that he, he played the ball over that led to the goal as well. But uh, it, it was like a testimonial match, so it was an ideal game to to give him that send off in. Uh, but as as is often the case with United these days, what's more interesting is is what's going on after the games and what Mourinho uh, said and what he said about Carrick and the possible role he could have um, in the coaching aspect and also the, the transfer aspect. Um, at first it seemed like he was saying he, he wasn't going to have any input in the, the summer moves they, were, that they would be making but then um, I think there's, there's a quote coming out later yeah. on that suggests that he is going to have that input. Uh, so it'll be interesting what happens there because Carrick is not the Mourinho prototype for a midfielder no. um, I think when you think of the Mourinho midfielder you think of Michael Essien um, or, or Michael Ballard you know, these very imposing and physical um, power players if you like brilliant players as well but very different to, to Carrick who I think he's a player like United looked at Tony Cruz in 2014 yes. it would have just been the perfect replacement for him if they wanted a, a light for light there so it, it should be interesting to see what United do there now that Carrick is offering that input given that it looks like they, they're not going to go for Jorginho ultimately he's going to end up at Manchester City uh, which I think is, is a, probably a suitable fit given 
the coach you'll be playing for there. And United are looking at someone like Fred, who is more of a, a physical enforcer, who is a player that, looking at him and the way he um, goes about the pitch, you do you do see why Mourinho would be interested in, in someone like him. But if Fellaini goes as well, which I still think he probably will, given yeah. the contract situation there, uh, then United are going to need another one. Uh, to come in and you can't just keep on buying the same profile of player they've got Matic who's a physical player if you get Fred you've got two holding midfielders they're defensive minded midfielders you need a bit of silk to, to complement the steel there so it'll be, as Mourinho said it'll be in, it'll be difficult to uh, negotiate this summer because you've got the World Cup and also on top of that the transfer window closes early which yeah. I still find is really was a really perplexing um decision by the Premier League clubs to vote for that it's almost as if I think certain clubs were in a position where they were quite knocked by what was going on yeah. like Southampton and, and Van Dijk is maybe the prime example of that but ultimately I think it leaves them at a disadvantage and particularly in the World Cup year that that, emphasis, that need uh, to, to get your signings in early um, is greater this summer than it, than it is in, in previous summers yeah, Mourinho obviously likes to get his business done as, as early as possible. Just one final piece there, I guess, on, on Carrick from you, Kieran. Um, we, there, there was lots of lovely tributes to him yesterday. One from Scott McTominay saying how much he's already done for his career and how he's looking forward to see just how much more he can learn from Carrick, the coach, rather than Carrick, the player. Um, where does he rank for you amongst the United, recent centre midfielders? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that when he arrived, it's such a, a great period of, of success. It was like an instant... Um, give or take an, an instant impact and you have to remember how inevitably those comparisons with Roy Keane were, were there at the time because he wore the same shirt he played in you know central midfield and they were quickly forgotten because they're, they're so different and he made such an impact in his, his own way and um, I think so many people in McKean's go on record to, to give thanks to him because he's maybe not had the recognition he's deserved over the years because uh, given the teams he's played in, you've had guys like Ronaldo, Rooney, uh, you know Van Persie, who have usually got the individual mm-hmm. honours. Whereas Carrick, I think, only once in all his time at United, he was in the PFA Team of the Year, which is kind of staggering, but yeah. not surprising either, because you know there are other names who've who've gotten the assists and other names who've gotten the goals. Um, but you know, I think it's only when he's when he goes, the people will really realise, like with most of these things, um, to go into the transfer market now and, and try and find a similar player for whatever they pay was 18.5 million. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Um, so to get someone who can make a direct impact like him, um, uh, you wouldn't know how much that's going to yeah. cost. So I, I think he's going to be a huge miss. And it's kind of telling that, in, you know, he's, he's played so few games this season, but yesterday popped up with that, that key contribution. I thought that Brighton game was that where it was crying out for a player like him because mm. United had no tempo, there was no rhythm, no unpredictability in their play. Uh, he gives them all of that. And also when they don't have the ball, he's always seems to be in generally the right position to, to block off someone who the opposition are trying to find. So uh, he's a brilliant player. And um, I think every United fan knows that. And I think... Uh, yesterday was just a fit and send off for him, and it, it, it's going to be really hard to replace him. Even though, as I said, he's not been playing that much. Yeah, of course. The the loss to the team is actually going to be Mourinho's gain in terms of coaching staff. We heard that Rui Ferry is going to leave at the end of the season. He's been Mourinho's right hand man ever since he's begun sort of senior management in Portugal. Um, 
the future for Rui Farrell, we don't know what that holds, but for Mourinho, he's having a reshuffle, we understand, with his coaching staff, uh, Samuel, and it sounds long-term like he would see Carrick as a suitable assistant coach. Yeah, I mean, I can see why he'd find Carrick an endearing presence, because also, just post-Ferguson, I don't think it's a coincidence that certainly the best period of football United played under Van Gaal, Carrick was totemic as soon as he fell injured um, they lost their next game against Chelsea in, in Van Gaal's first season even last season um, what remains the best period of form under Mourinho Carrick that, that started mm. when Carrick came in the team and I think that was overdue I mean I think there was a bit of a clamour for him to come in in September so I think he's retiring at the right time don't get me wrong but he's certainly going to have his uses and it was interesting that Popper after the derby he made a point of saying that Carrick yeah. is improving him. Uh, he's shown appreciation for him a fair few times on his social media channels. I think for, for Popper's a, a nice lad. I'm not saying that uh, you, you ha- really have to work hard for that recognition from him, but he does seem to be you know, quite enthralled to Carrick, which is, is quite, um, it's quite quirky in a way because they're very different personalities. Um but it just goes to show you how hugely appreciated Carrick has been. I think as an assistant, it, it'll be interesting where that transit, how that transition goes. Mourinho said that you, you don't just go from one day being a player to mm-hmm. the next day being a coach, and I think that's that's something important to bear in mind when people do see him on the touchline next season and maybe get frustrated. Why isn't he influencing as much? That was obviously a big bugbear you know, fans had with gigs alongside Van Gaal because he just sat there kind of like, clammed up and mm. you could clearly tell that he was frustrated but it was also obvious that he didn't have the force of personality to challenge Van mm. Gaal I think that's always the mark of a really good assistant if you can balance that act of not um, being a, being insubordinate towards the manager but also being able to lean on him and, and advise him to make certain changes, I think they said it about Klopp's assistant who's obviously just you know, stood down there yeah. at Liverpool. I think some of the journalists in in Rome were saying how lonely it looked when Roma were in the ascendant, and there was you know there were a couple of decisions that went against them. But Liverpool was certainly not particularly watertight there. And Ferguson benefited from it, changing his assistance. Yeah. Um, Keros had a massive, massive influence, whereby I think you know he did balance it out very, very well in the end. There was some resistance from United supporters who were chanting F off Kiros after the day after Keane yeah. left the club because obviously there was acrimony between those two. But in the long run, as often was the case with Ferguson, he was proved right, kept Kiros by his side, they regained the league, then they won the Champions League. Um, I think all of Ferguson's assistants, in fact, they even Walter Smith, who was with him for only two months, they all played a part in, yeah. in winning a trophy. Um, I think the only... One you'd say is like with Mike Field, I think United they, they lacked that tactical savvy yeah. there towards the end. Um, so with, with obviously with Carrick, he's not going to bring that to the table. I think it's going to be more him being the conduit between the players and the manager, which could be useful. But it does it does leave Mourinho maybe a little bit naked there because Faria has just been by his side yeah, all the time. So Mourinho said they've they've seen each more of each other in the last 17 years than they have probably anybody else and Faria lives a stone's throw away from, from the Lowry he lives in one of the the apartments nearby so he is losing a really important confidant there 
and he he says he'll bring people in, but I think it's mainly like fitness coaches and you know the, the, the not like for like. No, such. no. So um, it's it's a little bit of a surprise because mm. I think you could always do with fresh input, and although I think having carrot there will be useful. Um, I think he probably should have brought his horizons a little bit more, and that's not to say he won't do that. Maybe next season when uh, he's he's maybe had a season without firing, thinks he does need someone else to come in. Yeah, Kieran, uh, Samuel Luter. When you think of those Ferguson teams, each one you almost you can recognise them by their assistant manager as well. Yeah. It's, and obviously, you know Mourinho's career well. You know how, how big an impact Farry has had. It's quite a risk for Mourinho maybe to take that, but maybe is that the freshness he needed going into that third season at Old Trafford? Yeah, it's tricky. I personally don't think. It's you know a hundred percent positive thing losing Furry. I think he had a very important role there. Um, you know, uh, he started off as just a humble fitness coach, but there's a reason why he's worked his way up and our Mourinho's trust, and he's a key part of um, you know that methodology and, and those you know ball training exercises. And he's the one who leads the warm ups when when they uh, come out before a game. So um, it's interesting he's not replacing them, but then. You know, he, you would think uh, Carrick will have a role this top of Kieran McKenna potentially stepping up in some form. And I think if I was a United fan, that would excite me because, um, A, he's that link with the youth team. So you've got someone who, um, you know, can can help push that academy uh, agenda, or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, which, you know, Mourinho, yeah, exactly. I know Mourinho's done great work with McTominay and things, but, um, you know, it, You'd want that to continue next season with other players. Um, and, you know, you'd like to think from the tour onwards that will continue. But um, with McKenna as well, is in such a short period of time at United, he's, he's made such an impact with his philosophy and his attacking style. And I think that's what people want to see from Mourinho next season is not just the same old, but maybe just a few new ideas put to him because um, managers always evolve. You've seen it with his formations. You know, he's tried... Four four two three five two. He's he's trying new things. He's he's not just using the same Bible he used, you know, fifteen years mm-hmm. ago. But it can appear that way, and I think this is a this could be a moment where you either look back on it and think he was weakened by losing his most trusted figure, or it helped broaden his horizons as you know he's coming up for sixties, you know, another injection of a philosophy. So I, I think it's it's interesting and. You couldn't say at the moment whether it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but for me personally, I think you, if you were a manager, you'd want to have someone who uh, you trust that much and who's so valued with you. And I know he still has a couple of assistants who he feels like that about, but um, he's a key figure for him. Yeah, it's interesting what what you said about McKenna and how, how good he has been with the youth team this season. I guess while we're on that point, the game against Watford seemed like a perfect opportunity for Jose Mourinho to feel some United's youngsters. And like we said last season, we saw Harrop against Crystal Palace and Tief Chong and Angel Gomez seemed like ready-made sort of plays to, to get a chance at the first team. We saw Ethan Hamilton as well earlier in the season, including the squad. Do you think Mourinho missed a good opportunity? You said it felt like a testimonial and it would have maybe been a, a good way, even just off the bench, to, to, to give Chong and Gomez a chance. That was the only positive from the West Ham game that they got that point. You yeah. thought, okay, he'll bring some youngsters in, give their debuts, gets asked the question about it afterwards. And unfortunately, to our dismay, says that uh, he's not going to go to them. And we took that maybe as ambiguous that he just meant he wouldn't be starting yeah. some, but then got wind quite early on Sunday that 
none of them would be included. I just thought it was pointless exercise, really. I mean, I don't think they're going to... I don't think Matteo Darmin or Daley Blin's resale values are going to go up on the count of starting a game against Watford. Um, fair enough, playing Carrick. Uh, Romero needed to run out, but I just, you know, Antonio Valencia was on the bench and Herrera was on the bench. Those guys are being saved for the cup final. It, it wouldn't have done any harm to have put Chong on the bench or, as you say, Hamilton, Gomez, um, even someone like. I know Mourinho immediately went to the under-23s last season, someone like Joe Riley, who mm. has been plugging away there uh, and has played for the United first team as, as well before. It, it really just made yesterday, as you said, it was it was bearable only for the, the, the Carrick celebration. And obviously that was that was good to witness, but as a contest, it, it, it was just, it was, it was dire. And it, it could have done with being enlivened by one of those kids coming in and, trying to make an impression. Harrop, credit to him last season, one game, one goal, one man of the match award. He went off to Preston from that um, and, and he was headstrong enough to, to want to go out and, and get playing time and that was, I know it's not, he's, he's not been dynamic exactly at Preston this season but that was a platform for him to showcase what he could do and, and he showed it in that reserve game that I think Kieran went to when he got the hat trick against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. So, it didn't make much sense. I can, I think, as I think Kieran and I were discussing maybe because there was such a long gap between, longish anyway, between the last league game and the cup final. He maybe felt some players needed some some yeah. playing time, whereas it was only three days between Palace and the Europa League final last year. But looking at the players he played yesterday, um, I think Sanchez only started out of necessity because Marshall got injured. The only other guy you could probably see starting the FA Cup final is Ashley Young. Mm. So I just think it was inexcusable. And it's it, it, he's missing an easy opportunity there because it's good press for him at a time when I know Guardiola played uh, Foden and, and Diaz for City at Southampton, but not playing youngsters has been yeah. something he's been accused of. And Matthew's just uh, left City and, and he played he was a really good talent there and played very well against United last season so it's a missed opportunity for Mourinho I just think sometimes he he doesn't make it easy for himself and he does have this way of easily um, rubbing against supporters like Sandpaper Yeah it's interesting as well especially with the World Cup as we mentioned before the United might be taking a few of the youngsters on the pre-season tour of America do you think Gomez and Chong have a good chance of being involved in United pre-season? You'd like to think so they're the ones um Fans obviously get so excited about. Um, I mean, you're you're looking at they're they're heading out Sunday, July fifteenth, which is the exact day of the World Cup final. So you're thinking any players who exit the tournament in the early stages will will still be joining up with them, and it'll only be the guys late into the mm-hmm. tournament who will actually be left at home, as it were. So you would still think there's at least you know five slots there for for some players to come in, and you know going back to uh, you know, uh, his first summer tour to, to Asia, which was during Euro 2016. You had McNair there, you had Pereira, and I suppose the difference was they were already kind of part of the first team set up yeah. under Van Hal. Um, so it will be a bit of a, uh, a mini leap for him to just bring, you know, eight kids along, but he has already hinted, which kind of made this extra strange that few few weeks ago he said this summer was as much about kind of evolution of the yeah. kids as much as yeah. signing players so you kind of thought that's the biggest hint yeah they'll play the kids on the last day of the season so for him to kind of backtrack was a bit odd but 
you know, um, I suppose we have to remember he, he played Gomez last season when Gomez hadn't even made his reserve debut. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's been clamour for like Greenwood to come in straight away. You kind of need a balance, don't you, where yeah. you don't want the kids just thrown in, but uh, equally you'd love to see Chong um, on the wing when you know, you'd have lacked a natural option there and stuff. So I think they uh, at least a few of them will get a chance. And uh, there, there's so many games packed into that preseason that, you know, they will need a decent squad particularly if, as expected, you know, three or four of the first-team players leave. That's interesting. The one player, while we're on that, we're looking forward to that FA Cup final next week, the, the season-defining game, really, for United. And we've seen in the last week, without Romelu Lukaku, just how big an impact he's really had for United this season. Perhaps he has been United's key man, really. I know David De Gea always scoops up the individual honours, but Romelu Lukaku has revolutionised United's attack. He's that spearhead, he's that central focus, and they just look like a completely different side without him. They do. I'd uh, I, I would disagree with you on revolutionise. Um, he's he's had a the, the, my bugbear with Lukaku, and it's it is harsh because it's it's probably just as much Mourinho's fault. But I always go back to um, September, that last game of the month where he scores against Palace, yeah. and he's on eleven goals, and he's scored sixteen goals since. I I, I see that as a disappointment for a player who is Premier League proven and I still think his season, the turning point was that chance he had at Anfield where for him in that for, in the form he mm. was in, because he'd, he'd scored for Belgium and during the internationals, if he buries that, I think he probably has a Salah-style season because United probably hold on for that win and they possibly challenge City, yeah. not necessarily win the league, but they challenge them and it's, it's almost, it's, it's like a sliding doors moment that, but as you say, they look such a blunt side without him because he is by a, com- a considerable distance the best goal scorer in that team and it does make a mockery of certain supporters who I think certainly at the turn of the year after Marshall played really well at Everton they were like well you know, maybe that he should just drop Lukaku He's ne- <laughs> Mourinho was never going to do that but Marshall's not exactly shown much fight since Sanchez came in he's, he's, he's not scored since January um, Lukaku, for all his faults, he, he is the best goal scorer in that side, and I, I still f- find it difficult to um, to believe Mourinho when he says he doesn't want any attackers in the summer because you'd still argue that that he probably needs a backup striker of some sort. Mm. I know there, there there were certainly whispers in January that he was looking at um, that, that he felt he needed a predatory backup striker in the mould of Hernandez, but not. Hernandez, he said that last summer he never considered um, going in for him even though he's previously said he'd never have sold him Um, and and Rashford just every time I watch him he just doesn't look like a player who's going to be a 20 goal a season striker I'm not even necessarily sure he should be used as a striker, I know he's played there recently but his performance against Watford was was dire apart from the goal and the goal was laid on a plate for him by Mata which is a shame you don't derive any pleasure from criticising a, a kid who's had the meteoric rise mm-hmm. that he's had um, I mean he, he was captivating those those early days and he had a really good strong end to his second season um, you know, stepping up when Ibrahimovic got injured but that, that attack does seem I mean that's the weird thing you look at that United attack and it could easily be improved with a signing or two or blooding 
Chong in and trying to get it, get someone to mentor him. Um, and it, when Mourinho says he doesn't want any signings, you wonder how you know you, you've got to look elsewhere to improve the attack. It's almost as if you have to sign non-attackers to improve yeah. the attack, which is, of course is possible. The the fullbacks might have a big impact in the summer, depending on who United sign. Um, a, a midfielder might. Uh, I think with Lukaku, uh, certainly looking ahead to the cup final, I think if what, what I th- the only thing I thought I thought about it, I didn't think it at the time, but looking at that West Ham game, the fact that Mourinho played three five two, which and and he played Lingard up front, it was almost identical to the team he played against Chelsea last year, and that remains United's by far and away their their best performance under Mourinho. And I just wonder if Lukaku isn't available to start the game, certainly, whether he goes down that route again and he plays Lingard and Sanchez, which would be a risk without question because he's only tried it once before and it was in a nothing game like that. But I'm not certain that he has the trust in Rashford or Marshall to put them in in a system where they're going to be the lone man up against what guys like Cahill, Rudiger, and Azpilicueta. You you do not fancy them against those guys. Uh, Rashford played well against them last season, but he had Lingard as a foil, and maybe that would be weighted in his favour, but it wouldn't surprise me if if, if Lukaku is unavailable to start, that Mourinho springs a bit of a surprise like that and takes takes everyone off guard. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said before, the backup to Lukaku, he could have got more goals, seen, but he was so tired. He's bound to play every game. He's one of the only undroppable players. Yeah, there, wasn't and, he? and and as as you say, he he's attained that untouchable status, and and he has deserved that, and he does work yeah. very hard. I certainly remember the Newcastle game. Kieran and I went to it was <laughs> of, of the United defeats. It wasn't it wasn't one of their worst because they actually created some clear chance that they should have scored but Lukaku you felt a bit sorry for him because he, he was doing a lot of the, the leg work and wasn't getting much reward for it um, and then he stepped up the following week at Huddersfield I mean he is he's clearly one of Mourinho's men and certainly doing the the, the seasonal ratings you'd, you'd have him easily in the top five but he is going to have to kick if he wants to be a title winner which is obviously his aspiration he said I think um might have been after the, his 200th goal or something like that, that it's time for him yeah. to start adding trophies to his, his personal collection. He is going to have to be more consistent and he is going to have to bury those chances. Like the one at Anfield, um, you go to that City game in December where he had a nightmare. <laughs> uh, I think he, he assisted two both assist, their yeah, goals and, and he had that chance where he smacked the ball right at Edison as well. Uh, those, unfortunately for him, when you go to a club of United's level you're going to be judged more on those isolated moments rather than the 20-odd goals that, that you may score, um, particularly. Well, from a journalist's yeah. perspective, that's always going to be the case. Anyway. Yeah, um, and it's interesting you said that 1-0 defeat away at Newcastle. It looks like a quite a good result after seeing what Chelsea did at the weekend, 3-0 defeat against Newcastle. And interestingly, even though United have been so lacklustre this last week, they probably go into the FA Cup final on a high compared to Chelsea. Yeah, it's strange since... Both of them played in their semi-finals. Um, their forms has been odd, both clubs, and it's almost has been just they want to get this final. You know, the, Gary Cale after that Newcastle game admitted, you know, the club captain admitting they had the eye on the final, which is was quite rare to do in public. So, um, listen, I think they'll be two very different teams um, going 
come 5.15 on Saturday, I think you're, you're probably going to see both of them at their best. You'd like to hope so for, for a neutral's perspective anyway, that similar to that Tottenham game, you see two teams really going toe-to-toe and um, I think it's, it's a really tough one to call because you go back on the, the two previous games, obviously uh, Chelsea winning at Stamford Bridge with a Murata header um, and then in the Old Trafford game, Lukaku you know, dragging United over the line uh, with that comeback and um, I think both have got obvious weaknesses. Uh, you know, Chelsea really got at United that first half hour at Old Trafford. Could have been out of sight, uh, hit the crossbar and things. But then equally, um, United bullied Chelsea in that last hour in particular. So um, it, it's a tough one to call. But you probably would say that United probably maybe shaded 55, 45 or 60, 40. But um, I do think, you know... It's nice almost not to be talking about the managers now and you're just looking at that these both these teams really need to win the FA Cup, which has kind of gone out of fashion a bit, but they both really needed to put some kind of um, you know, silverware on their season. Do you yeah. think there's any possibility that, from Chelsea's perspective, there could be like a 2013 City... Mm. Yeah. There they're going on, mm. whereby the, the night before it comes out that the manager's getting... Yeah, sacks like they I mean, I don't think they're going to be that daft, but there's that there's that element of uncertainty that could compromise players' focus. I think that's been there for six months, hasn't it? Because yeah. you look at that, um, they went to Watford and lost four one. That thought, February, wasn't yeah, it? you yeah. thought he was going to go within a few days after that, and they stuck with them. And since they've done that, you look at their form since April. Bar that Newcastle and Huddersfield game, their form has been, you know won five or six in a row which champions do but given how shocking they've been this season at times that's that's hitting form at the right time and you've got guys like Giroud who's come in and he's, he's changed the complexion of their team a bit but um, I, I don't uh, I don't think um, United can bank on, on that I think um, it's almost like an open secret that Conte's going to go and I think the players will probably know that for for months now, you, you look at that City game where they just down twos, they weren't even pressing, it was just <laughs> embarrassing to see a, a professional team do that at any level. Especially the champ, we're any champions too. But you're kind of seeing now how, as always at Chelsea, the players are playing for themselves again and they're thinking, well, we've got to do something, you know, it's not, they're not playing for the manager, they're playing for them and I think that's the threat, you know, they're facing that, um, albeit, uh, you know, Conte isn't going to be there necessarily next season. The players do want to win this competition as much as United, and it's just going to come down to who delivers on the day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that 07 final earlier, Sam. I, well, oh. I hope you've not jinxed it on that aspect. It should be, it's going to be an interesting one. Two sides who need to win to save their seasons in a, in a, in a way, really, to, to prove they have progressed this season. But what do you expect from it? If United don't have Lukaku, what, what is the approach United should go for up top? Who, who is the main man that should lead the line? I, this, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit stumped on that. Um, Would you say I mean, Sanchez in the central role? I mean, he's got this Wembley record, but as I said, yeah, I, I think Sanchez has to start regardless, and, and obviously will do. I think yeah. if Lukaku is fit, then it will almost certainly be the team that beat Tottenham in the semi-final. Um, I think you have to start Lingard as well. I, I wouldn't be confident with Rashford. Um, I think Rashford would have to have someone 
near him and then you're mm. talking about the formation change I th- I, in a weird way I can see some sense of Mourinho possibly going to a back three but then you think do you, does Lindelof come in I mean I know he did alright against Chelsea at Old Trafford but it's a different Calvary. environment altogether if you're doing it in a cup final um, it, it's, it's a really tricky one because you know, I mean he, he, he'll have been planning for this game for, for a fair while now and he, he, I imagine he'll have a, a fallback option in the event that Lukaku is only available for the bench. Marshall obviously is is injured as well. When Mourinho said, "I don't know if he's going to be fit," I think even if he was fit, he wouldn't be starting um, in, uh, on Saturday. So I can see some sense why he would go without a striker, uh, provided Lukaku isn't isn't fit enough to start. Um, but it does it does kind of fill you with dread that because you you do remember that two thousand and seven final when I think back then it's not doesn't get mentioned anymore now but the Wembley pitch back then like the yeah. old stadium was awful it was the, the grass was too lush and the pace was slowed down I think and also that final both teams were just knackered because they'd been challenging mm. on three fronts it been a brilliant title race they both got to the semi finals and gone out of the Champions League. Um, you know, it, was, it was a warm day, just went to extra time. I don't think that was ever going to be um, an entertaining final. And I think one of the Chelsea players was quoted afterwards saying that Mourinho told them, do you want to enjoy it afterwards or do you want to enjoy it during the game? And that's yeah. that's that's great motivation in a way for that whole siege mentality, pragmatism thing. And, and it, it reigned supremely in the end with uh, that exchange between Lampard and Drogba for the winner. And of course, Steve Bennett's referee not uh, giving a penalty f- uh, for Essien's foul on gigs. But I-, I just think for I think Chelsea are possibly better placed in attack to to harm United because I think Hazard still on his day is is the best talent in the Premier League. Um, it'll be interesting to see how William performs given what may happen in the summer <laughs> as well. Um, and and they've the, the certainly been some things coming out that are interesting about that in, in relation to United. But I, I just think that I don't think you can trust Rashford or Marshall to, to start as a lone striker against a really experienced and pretty physical mm-hmm. defence like Chelsea's. And that's not to say Chelsea's defence is impenetrable or anything like that, but I just think they'd have to be... They've, they've just not been in good, good form um, to be trusted. So I think maybe... Bearing in mind what Mourinho did at West Ham, that element of surprise would possibly work in United's favour better than just going for one striker replacing Lukaku. Yeah, of course, United have their two Wembley winners in Sanchez and Lingard. They both love playing their home away from home for them, Kieran. They'll be, like someone said, they'll both be raring to start, hopefully, and to, to cause Chelsea problems. I guess the final point, do you think United can do it on Saturday? Do you think they should be positive going to this cup final? Yeah, I think so. I think the... That Tottenham, I mean, has so many mini turning points, but that that was a huge win beating Tottenham, come back to beat Tottenham because you know they they started better than they did in January, i.e., not conceding in the first minute, but it didn't take long for Spurs to score, cut United open. You know, defense was just a mess for the goal, but they they stayed calm and and they really rallied brilliantly, and you know, made some big big performances. Herrera was was brilliant and. Um, Phil Jones was great, you know, his, I think it was his first game in a while after injury. And you're kind of thinking that if those guys deliver, that if 
it's not just you know Sanchez and Lukaku mm. step up if the whole team and, and those less heralded figures do their jobs to that kind of 7 out of 10 standard then they've got a brilliant chance um, yeah I don't see why they can't do but um, it's just so so tough to call in terms of a result because um, both clubs really needed to have that springboard going into the summer big summers for both of them and, and trying to get some kind of momentum to wrestle the title back which of course is going to be you know, very very difficult yeah, well, uh, that's got us all excited. <laughs> isn't it? The thought of another Osama repeat. It sounds like I mean, two yes. teams who have been playing lackluster football over the last week. What could possibly go wrong on that Wembley pitch? Um, you two will have the pleasure of going to that game. I hope you can join us next week as well to, to discuss, hopefully, a win for United and a perfect springboard going into that summer for Joseph Rooney. His second season at Old Trafford, second in the Premier League, and perhaps FA Cup winners wouldn't be so bad after all. Thank you both for joining us today on the Manchester's Red podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Acast and join us next week for all the reaction from United's trip to Wembley.